Yes, sir, and welcome. Welcome, welcome to episode 23 of the Good Look Podcast, episode LeBron James, episode Michael Jordan. I am your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney, here to give you guys another episode. We are real close. August 16th was when the NBA playoffs are going to start. So excited, so ready for these games to actually mean something again for real. We're coming towards that portion of the, the bubble schedule where teams are trying to maneuver um, this, the games really don't mean as much for some squads who already have their positions lined up in the playoff picture. So eh, the quality of play has kind of come down from that blistering start that we had earlier. So I'm excited once these teams know who they're going to play against, that they're going to be in a good position to to ramp their, their game up as, as this season progresses into the playoffs. So really excited about that. Really excited to give you guys another episode. Once again, I want to thank you for listening. All my socials, Twitter and Instagram at El Pinkney is where you'll find the link for this episode through Anchor FM. Appreciate them for hosting my pods. It's really appreciated. Let's go ahead and get into these NBA topics. First up, um, some unfortunate news here. We got Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers actually had a subluxation of his patella. This has happened to me personally too many damn times. Um, Your patella is your kneecap pretty much. And it pretty much, when he, he came down from a rebound and tried to, to plant, once he planted, leg shifted a little bit. It was actually his kneecap that shifted. And once that happened, and, and once that happens, I can speak from experience, it's one of the worst pains you can feel. I've had it to where it just shifts out of place. I've had moments where it's actually shifted and gone to the side of my leg and actually stayed there. So it's, it's a terrible injury to have. And Ben, fortunately, was able to walk off the court with it. So, essentially, once the subluxation was diagnosed, he ended up getting a loose body removed from his knee because pretty much that's how you're going to proceed in this case. And that unfortunately ended his season. So, Philadelphia is going to be in dire straits now as their playoff picture or as their playoffs start to get going. Um, It's unfortunate. But it's kind of been that way for Philly all year. It's been tough for them to get things going. They've had so many different, just weird things happen to them, not just injury-wise, but trying to fit all these pieces together, like Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris. Al Horford doesn't make any sense for them to sign him, but they did. Now they got a $100 million guy coming off the bench. Now that Ben Simmons is back, they're going to put him back in the lineup. But still, it's just it's just been a weird mix of these guys all season long. It's unfortunate that Ben got hurt. People wanted to see that experiment with him playing at the four, Shake Milton starting at the point. Eh, I was still kind of on the fence about it regardless, but, I mean, it is what it is. Hopefully Ben Simmons has a speedy recovery. These injuries are are tough to deal with, though, because once you dislocate your kneecap once, you're more likely to dislocate it again pretty much for the rest of your athletic career, so... Hopefully, obviously, he's a, a top 1% athlete with all the, the tools and resources in order to keep his body strong. So I don't anticipate him having to deal with these issues too much. But it's something you want to something you want to monitor. Now, his first year, he had a foot injury. That's something where I think if, if Philly was actually trying to win, he could have played probably halfway through that season. But they decided to keep him out the whole year, just like Joel Embiid when he had the, the back injuries and they actually kept him out for two years. But it's a little concerning considering Ben's this young to have these kind of injuries at this age. A little concerning. I think he's a 
strong enough athlete and and you can see just being 6'10 and around 230 pounds I, and the way that he moves on the court I think he'll be fine moving forward but and you got to be a little bit concerned so for Philadelphia there's their prospects are already shaky going in now that Ben Simmons is gone it's going to be hard for them to even get out of the first round Also kind of a weird story that came out. The the Cavaliers are looking to acquire Ben Simmons. This story got out somehow. I don't like it from either perspective, actually. Ben Simmons just doesn't fit on the Cavs roster. They're really young. Ben Simmons is also really young, but he's in his fourth season. They're start, He's starting to get to the point where, all right, I've got my extension. Now I'm trying to win. Cleveland is not the place you go to try to win, despite what Cleveland can offer. They have guys like Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., who they don't want to give up, who's apparently untouchable, but I don't know why. He's a good player, but shouldn't be untouchable. You have Colin Sexton, and they have a bevy of first-round picks. From Philadelphia, I don't see how that's enticing. I don't see how that gets me closer to winning a championship. I just wouldn't do it. So that report is kind of funny, and you have to pay attention to these reports a little bit because where there's smoke, there's fire. In this instance, I'm I'm pretty much just calling it a bunch of smoke, I don't think. Philly wants to do it at all, and I think Cleveland just wants to... Actually, Cleveland might just want to put it out there that, hey, we got a bunch of young talent, we got these first-round picks, we're trying to do something out here, see if they can get some feelers from maybe some other teams. I don't think it's going to work. Cleveland's in dire straits regardless. They're in rebuild, rebuild mode, and they're going to have to pay Andre Drummond like $28 million next year and Kevin Love $30 million plus. They're not in the best spot either. I'm just going to ignore it for now. The NBA Awards overall regular season award finalists have come out. We have the MVP finalists, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and LeBron James. Of course, Giannis is going to be the winner here. Best record overall in the in the entire league. Average 30-14-6, and, and is probably going to be Defensive Player of the Year as well. Runaway, shouldn't be close. MVP of the season. Rookie of the year, we have John Morant. Zion, which is kind of insulting because he's only played 19, but they got to put him in there. And Kendrick Nunn. We're going to go with Ja here. Ja played almost every regular season game this year, and he led that team to the eighth seed before the bubble game started. Kid was absolutely sensational, spectacular, made incredible jaw-dropping plays throughout the entire year. And and turned a team that was that was looking to get back into the lottery probably to a team that from here on out, while Ja is on this team, looking to be a, a perennial playoff contender now. We'll see how they, they look in terms of becoming an overall NBA championship contender. They're gonna have to get another guy to to, to boost up and, and probably get a guy who can just get a bucket. They have Dylan Brooks, but he's not a guy I'm gonna throw it to consistently during a game like a say, a Kawhi Leonard or something who's just going to give me buckets. Jaron Jackson Jr., shout-out to him. He's an incredible two-way player. It's unfortunate that he ended up getting hurt because that's really put the put the Grizzlies in a tailspin. But Jaw's been able to overcome all of that and, and turn this team into a winner, and that's not something a lot of people expected. No doubt he's the rookie of the year. Colin Cowherd, you're ridiculous. He said Zion was the MVP for playing 19 games. And he said he was the, I mean, sorry, rookie of the year after playing 19 games. 
He said he shot 50% from three in like his last four games. Yeah, he only took eight threes. What are you talking about? Man, people just say stuff. <laughs> Man, speaking of people almost saying stuff, I'll get to Skip Bayless in a second. But um, Defensive Player of the Year, finalists, Giannis, AD, and Gobert. I'm going with Giannis again. Number one defensive rated team in the league. He leads the NBA individual defensive rating. He's going to be the Defensive Player of the Year. First time since Hakeem Olajuwon that someone has been the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. Giannis has been absolutely incredible. Deserves all the accolades. Even though he did headbutt Mo Wagner. Mo Wagner acting like that. He acted like he he got shot. It wasn't that crazy, but they're going to suspend Giannis for that one game. It's fine. Who cares? He probably wasn't going to play anyway. Um... But going back to the award, Giannis deserves it, deserves the MVP, deserves the Defensive Player of the Year. It's been his regular season. Sixth Man of the Year, you have the two Clipper contenders. You have Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams. And then you have from OKC, Dennis Schroeder. I'm going to go with the guy not on the Clippers. I'm going to go with Dennis Schroeder, averaging 19-4-4 off the bench for this team. In 64 regular season games, only started one. He's been... Absolutely outstanding for that Oklahoma City team off the bench, providing a spark from the point guard position, able to to pretty much handle the offense when Chris Paul or Shea Gilgis isn't on the court and find ways to get his own shots, run the fast break, just run the offense in general. He was a, a throw-in in one of those trades from Atlanta to Oklahoma City that people really didn't think much of. But instead, but but putting him back into a role, just coming off the bench and being that guy who can lead a a second unit versus him being in Atlanta for those couple of seasons, and they were expecting him to be the floor general before Trey Young got there. This put him in a more natural spot. He's able to. He's been able to thrive in this position, and I'm. I've been very impressed. And Oklahoma City in, in general has been incredibly impressive all season. Chris Paul definitely deserves some MVP votes, and this kid deserves to win the Sixth Man of the Year. I'm going with Dennis Schroeder. Most improved is a bit tougher. You got Bam, Luca, and Brandon Ingram. It's unfortunate. Devontae Graham should definitely be in this category. Even Luca said it himself when he was asked about it. He said, take me off this ballot. Devontae Graham should be here. It's unfortunate. He's had an incredible season for Charlotte. Nobody talks about Charlotte because it's Charlotte, but he's been amazing. Shout out to you, Devontae. But this one's between Bam and Brandon Ingram just because I don't think Luca should win it. But... I mean, Lucas should have MVP consideration, but that's neither here nor there for this category. Bam's been absolutely outstanding. He's become a first-time all-star for the Miami Heat. He is the hub for that team offensively. It's amazing to see. It's just like Denver with Jokic. He is their inverted point guard from the center position. He'll run from the high post um, to the top of the key and run dribble handoffs and find guys on skip passes, and he's been incredible. He's second in the league. In terms of center assists, obviously Jokic is number one, but he runs that offense to perfection and he's barely scratching the surface, just became a first time all-star and has been incredible defensively as well. So the sky is the limit for Bam, but I'm going to go with Brandon Ingram here. He went from the terrible situation in LA, all those bad teams in Los Angeles to, I mean, not the best team in New Orleans either, but he was able to elevate himself to the stratosphere of an all-star Went from averaging 18 points a game to 24, 5, and 6, while improving his free throw percentage by 15%. That doesn't happen often, you guys. But 
it happens. It, it's funny. It does happen to young guys when they come into the league. They, if you watch college basketball, and it's it's hard for me now to watch college basketball over the years. The the level of play is just, it's just so much lower than the NBA. Think little things. So college basketball is exciting and all, and once it's March Madness time, that's cool. But when you talk about the pureness of the game, the little things, you can full court press kids in college. There's a reason you can't do it in the NBA, because you can't pull that shit off against them. Pros are not going to let you press them. Kids in college can get rattled. NBA players, this is not going to happen. So I say that because little things like free throw percentage end up, or tend to be lower in college and in the first few seasons for NBA players, even if they're good shooters, just because these kids and rookies got to get used to playing the grind, 82 games in a year, back-to-back games, three games, four nights, and they have to learn to be consistent at the free throw line. It's a thing that growing up, whether you're in high school or college, it doesn't really matter. You get your points, but we're not talking about your free throw percentage because you've got 28. Who cares if you went four of eight from the free throw line? You dropped 28 points. In the NBA, it truly matters. Every possession, every free throw matters. These games are usually tight because you're playing the best competition in the world. Four-point games and you miss six free throws, that's partially on you. So the fact that he improved in percentage from trash to good, 67 to 82, is an incredible improvement. And becoming a first-time All-Star this year, leading that team in in many spurts without Zion, he's going to be my most improved player of the year. And last but not least, Coach of the Year. Now, it leaked that Billy Donovan and Mike Budenholzer will co-win this award. But everyone knows that's nonsense. Everyone knows Nick Nurse should have won this award. Three seed in the East for the... For the Toronto... Excuse me, the two seed in the East for the Toronto Raptors. They've been absolutely outstanding, and they've been more... If you could be more outstanding in the bubble, they have been. They had that one uh, tough loss against Boston. But other than that, they've looked incredibly sound on offense and defense and Nick Nurse has stayed incredibly creative on both sides of the ball especially defensively he should have won the coach of the year I'm sorry that he didn't Nick this award is unofficially yours let's go ahead and talk about that young boy Luca he's been absolutely dominant in the game on Sunday where they played the excuse me that was Saturday they played the Bucks Luca in double overtime went 36 14 and 19 and was putting on an absolute passing clinic now the thing that got some people mad was the fact that he did that between the legs pass to cleaver on the cut and it's something that james harden does all the time i had to tweet it out because people were getting mad at it for some reason like, oh why are we why do we care about lucas pass more james james been doing it forever i we get it There is a little bit of we don't like James Harden in this, but it's mostly because Harden does this all the time. James Harden pulls that between the legs pass when Clint Capella was still there to him in the screen and roll all the damn time. He used to do it all the time. And when he was initially doing it, we went crazy. We thought that that pass was dope. But eventually after you do it so much and a little bit of the caveat of people probably not liking his game, it's not going to be as exciting, but when you see someone like Luca, who's new, who's doing all these amazing things at such a young age, it's going to be impressive, and people are going to, to cling to that and want to have that highlighted. Now, is it that amazing? 
Yes, it's still an amazing pass, but even I don't think it was his best pass. There was a pass that he made in the first quarter that I think only maybe LeBron can make is when he was at top of the key, got a screen, went left. Defender's second guy came up at the free throw line. He whips a pass to the corner to an open shooter with his left hand off the dribble. That is incredibly impressive. Six, seven, not very athletic, but is incredibly cerebral and knows how to get to each spot on the court at any time that he wants, uses his body incredibly well. It's like if you mixed you mix certain guys who know how to use their bodies well, like a Lou Williams or, or an Andre Miller, guys who aren't really fast or athletic, but they're smart and they know how to create contact, use angles, get their shots off, get their passes off. They're not as good as Luka, obviously, but I'm, I'm just bringing up guys who are really good at, at maneuvering their body in order to create an angle at the basket or to make a pass. That pass is one of the best passes I've ever seen. Go back and look at his highlights and, and see what I'm talking about again. It's not just the between the leg. That pass coming from the top of the quick key, whipping it with your left hand off the dribble, no time wasted, not thinking about it to an open guy in the corner. That is what makes Luca special. Steph Curry. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to talk about him because the Warriors have not been in the bubble. But Steph is actually going to get his own brand within Under Armour. So this is akin to like Jordan brand being its own brand within Nike's umbrella or like Dwayne Wade having his own way of Wade line within Li Ning. It's an incredible thing to see Steph do it. If anyone's going to do it, it makes sense that Steph Curry's going to have it. I don't know if LeBron's going to do it. Even Kobe wasn't big enough to branch out and have his own thing. LeBron might. But, I mean, we're in year 18. There hasn't really been any thoughts about it in terms of that going down for a shoe. I wouldn't be surprised, but right now, Steph is the... It just makes too much sense for Steph to have his own brand within Under Armour. He's been the face of that company's basketball division. They only pretty much have Joel Embiid at this point, so... Um, they have Dennis Smith Jr., but I mean, it's not even worth mentioning. But yeah, Steph should definitely be someone who has his own brand within the shoe. Uh, shoe umbrella. Congrats to him. Shout out Steph Curry. All right, this is what we're going to do now. We're going to take a couple minutes and go in on the Phoenix Suns because the Phoenix Suns have been absolutely incredible. They've been incredible, y'all. 7 and 0 in the bubble. 7 and 0. They started 6 damn games back when this thing started. 6 games. 6 games back with 8 games to play. People didn't know including me why the Suns even got invited. They were just cannon fodder. They were just a team to Get, get a sweat against. But they found a way. Shout out Monty Williams. Incredibly creative. And it's got that team to run like a well-oiled machine. And it's been wonderful to see on Twitter a bunch of either videos or posts about Devin Booker because the kid deserves it. Somehow is only 23 years old still. It feels like he's been in the league for 20 years. But the kid is definitely the 
the the the NBA bubble MVP after averaging 31 a game and having his Phoenix Suns go seven and zero. DeAndre Aiden has been a force. He still has to figure things out on the perimeter and defensively, but offensively he's been a force. And they've gotten real nice contributions from guys like Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, shout out UNC, Campaign. Where the hell did Campaign come from, man? Campaign was sitting on the on the sidelines. Dude was. <laughs> I remember just looking up. I I believe I had a pod. I did. I have a podcast cover. It's Russell Westbrook and Campaign, and I was just like, okay, what's what's Campaign been up to? Last time he played, he was on the Bulls, and that's it. Ain't heard nothing from him since. But he went to the G League actually, and the Suns picked him up, and he's been incredible off the bench for them, and, and giving him really steady point guard play, which has been really solid. Javon Carter. Ain't nobody heard of Javon Carter. He's played really well, too. And they've gotten really steady point guard play from their guy, Ricky Rubio. For all his faults, for him not being able to shoot at all, he has shot well in the bubble. But if Phoenix moves on, I don't think that's going to keep up. You see some of these guys like TJ Warren and Michael Porter Jr. shooting and and Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. is shooting 62.5% from three. That's just not going to fly. That's not going to last those guys are going to regress to the mean. It is what it is. So I don't think Rubio's going to be one of those guys who consistently knocks down shots, but he does everything else well. He steals the ball. He puts himself in okay positions defensively, and he knows how to run an NBA offense. He's been incredible for Phoenix. And it's allowed Devin Booker to be himself. It's allowed Book to cook whenever he wants to on the offensive end, and he's been incredibly potent and efficient for this entire bubble season. I hope their run pays off. I hope they go 8-0 and and they get a little bit of help. Even with as well as they played, it's not a guarantee that they make the playoffs. And I'll go ahead and, and go into those scenarios in a second. But I hope it pays off. They've been incredible. Shout out to the Phoenix Suns. Lakers? Worst offensive rating for the teams in the bubble? I just wanted to get that off. I know the Lakers are going to be fine, but they are not above criticism. Nick Wright, you're trash for not criticizing them. He finally, I think he said that they were struggling. Like he admitted that they were struggling, but that's not enough because he was super adamant about not being worried about them at all. If you're not worried about this team, if you just took LeBron and AD off this roster and you look at that roster, that is troublesome. You should be worried at least a little bit in the second round. First round, don't worry about it. You're the number one seed. You shouldn't have to worry about it. Second round, though, you should start to worry a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Thank you to the New Orleans Zions for coming, as well as the De'Aaron Kings. They are officially eliminated. Uh, Mathematically, once um, their last games are done, they actually have to immediately leave the bubble. Woj actually tweeted it out and, and lined it up to what their procedure will be. They will play their last game. They will shower. They will grab their belongings, go straight to the team planes, and get up out the bubble. Makes sense for them to do that. They want to have the least amount of teams there as possible necessary, so they don't want guys just hanging around. So I I don't think they'd want to hang around anyway. And it's funny with this, Wills actually tweeted out that they're going to allow guests after the first round. Now, I... Obviously, these guys are going to be 
tested and the only people that can come are family members and really 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 close friends and they got to be vetted for it it is a little bit risky i'm not as mad i'm not as skeptical about it just because we're it's gonna be after the first round so we have eight teams to to look out for but it does introduce another variable hopefully everyone who gets tested quarantines comes back clean and we can continue these playoffs and go on forward but it does present somewhat of a risk and it's it's something that i don't know why the nba thinks they need to do but it's probably something that they had to do in order to have the players agree to come back like they knew eventually this was going to happen so it's not a big surprise and we're gonna go ahead, uh before i get into dame the nba will give out separate awards for this bubble season so there's going to be all nba bubble teams there's going to be the bubble mvp which is devin booker obviously bubble coach of the or coach of the bubble <laughs> so those things are going to be happening that's going to be cool shout out nick mcmillan for getting his one year extension with the the pacers he said it was a good thing for both sides i think it's a good thing for both sides as well it's going to be nice to see him continue to coach that team he always does a great job wherever he goes um and then let's see russell westbrook got an mri on his quad right quad hopefully it comes back negative or it has come back negative. Hopefully he doesn't miss too much time considering the playoffs are right around the corner. And yes, it has always, always will be Dame time. If it wasn't for Devin Booker, Damian Lillard would be the bubble MVP. Kid has been absolutely insane. It's Dude's got the flamethrower on her. He keeps that thing on him at all times. Dude has been absolutely on fire. After he choked those two free throws, which he did against the Clippers, and he got ridiculed for it, which he shouldn't have because Patrick Beverly's trash averages eight points a game. You ain't in Dane's league. Dane came back, dropped a 50-point game on him, and after that, dropped a 61-point game on him. He's doing historic things, y'all. He joins Wilt, and when you join Wilt in any category, that is something special. He joins Wilt as the only players in NBA history. So Kobe ain't do this, LeBron ain't do this, Jordan ain't do this. Only players in NBA history have three 60-point games in a single year. You got to start putting respect on his name. I was talking to my boy Jarwin about the, the top 10 earlier, and he was trying to say Dane was outside the 10. I told him he was crazy. He's trying to put Embiid maybe above him. and We're going we're gonna to make Embiid top 10 when Embiid wants to be top 10. When he wants to park it in the post and average 32 and 12, then we're going to put him top 10. But until then, Dame is above Kyrie, who I love. That's my dude. But we're talking about consistency. And Dame has been consistent and more consistent than Kyrie throughout his career. Kyrie definitely has more highs in terms of the NBA final shot and things like that, but in his highlights. But Dame, Dame is on a different planet right now. He's a top 10 player for sure. He's been absolutely incredible for this Portland team, putting them in positions to make this real good run at the playoffs. And now they're in a real good position to get the eight spot. Shout out to Damian Lillard. Dude has been absolutely insane. Skip Bayless, you are ridiculous. So Skip, 
I get I get it. He trolls for the ratings. He has to because if you say just the normal conservative type stuff, no one's really going to pay attention to that. So he tries his best and he does to find the littlest shit to nitpick at and tries to say it's not. Dame dropped 61 points and he tried to point to the fact that Dame is two shots in the fourth quarter and that his one shot that bounce out the back of the rim to the moon was lucky and because it was lucky his performance was not a masterpiece 61 points i think i tweeted out i i said he could have had 12 points and shot six of 20 from the field but if he went two for two or three for three in the fourth quarter in the last two minutes skip bayless still would have said what about the beginning i mean so He's also trying to use this Dame shit for for publicity. He's trying to get those ratings up. I get it, but standing on the whole on this hill of being a troll and trying to say that a kid who dropped sixty one wasn't good enough, and and Shar was making great points. You could go back to any performance, any performance, and you can find fault in it. He brought up Jordan having 63. And Skip praises that all the time because it's against the vaunted 86 Celtics. But guess what? They lost. So do we take away from Michael Jordan's performance because he maybe missed a shot down the stretch or because they lost the game? No. Stupid people do that. We ain't going to do that with Dame. Skip, sit your ass down. Dame had an absolutely magnificent performance and he's put Portland right in the driver's seat to try to be an incredible player. Or not even an incredible player in the postseason, but get them the opportunity to make the playoffs. And that has been absolutely incredible to watch. All right, y'all. So I'm going to go ahead and get into the playoff matchups. That's right. You heard me. The playoff matchups. We out here. The East is set. We have Bucks, Magic, Raptors, Nets. Sixers, Celtics, and Heat Pacers. Let me go ahead and go through the list. Some of these ones I won't take too long because you guys don't know what's already popping. It's not going to be too much explaining to do, but some of them I'm going to go in a little bit. Bucks Magic. Bucks, one seed, Magic, eight. Magic technically home court advantage, but not really. Bucks, 4-0 against the Magic this season. All games happened before the bubble. Giannis averaged around his season averages, 29-13-5. Vucevic for the Magic averaged 19 and 10. And Evan Fournier actually did pretty well. He led the team in scoring, excuse me, in three of the four games that they played this year. Unfortunately, no Jonathan Isaac for the Magic. He tore his ACL earlier in the bubble games. But that's not even going to matter. Regardless of who the Magic put out there, Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, Markel Fultz. Shout out to Markel. He's actually been playing really well. Despite the jumper still not being there, he's been playing well. Shout out to him. They don't have no shot, no answer for Milwaukee. That's a sweep. Raptors and Nets. Now the East, because the Wizards and, and those other teams didn't weren't able to come back and get within four games of the eight, there is no playoff game or play-in game like there will be in the West. Raptors, Nets, I'm not going to go deep into this one. The Nets, despite Karis LeVert actually playing really well for them, 
they have G League guys and, and some professionals on that team, it's not going to matter. Toronto has been either the best or the second best team since the restart occurred. They look so good offensively and defensively. Nick Nurse has been outstanding with that team still, other than one blip against the Celtics. They've been amazing. Toronto's going to make this a quick series. I got that as a sweep as well. Now, Celtics Sixers. This one was supposed to be really, really fun. This is a matchup. If you talked about, if we just talked the offseason and before the season started, after all the free agent signings and, and draft picks ended, you would have people would have picked either Boston or Philadelphia as dark horse picks to get past Milwaukee and get into the finals. Now, one of those teams might still have a shot, but the other, unfortunately, does not. No Ben Simmons for the Philadelphia Sixer, 76ers is crucial. And Joel Embiid has been dealing with an ankle injury. I don't know how much it's going to affect him, but he's been dealing with injuries his entire career. I don't know how well he's going to play in this series. After the Celtics lost their second game in the bubble, they have looked great. Three straight wins, including a dominating performance over Toronto. Interestingly enough, they've scored exactly 122 points in their last three games. Jason Tatum, post-haircut, has been incredible, giving you 25 a night for the Celts. And he looks to be primed and ready for the postseason. Kid's been in the postseason every year of his career. He's just going to keep building on that resume for himself. And Boston is just a really interesting team because they can come from you at so many different ways. Kemble Walker, who has been dealing with the knee issue and the minutes restrictions. We'll see how that goes once postseason time occurs. But you got Kemble, who's capable of getting you 20. Gordon Hayward is capable of getting you 20. Jalen Brown capable of giving you 20. And of course, Jason Tatum has been giving you 20. Daniel Tice has been underrated for that squad. Robert Williams has been aight. And Marcus Smart has been his Marcus Smart self. So, shout out to Boston. They can definitely give Milwaukee a run for their money. I don't know if I'm picking them. But they've lived up to their preseason hype. Philadelphia, unfortunately, is not. When we're talking about a series like this, I know if Ben Simmons isn't playing, obviously. If Joel Embiid isn't hurt, this is, is is hurt, not playing, it's a sweep. Him dealing with an injury, I don't think this is going to be that close. Philadelphia's just been a mess all season. They haven't been able to win on the road at all. Trying to mix Al Horford and, and Josh Richards and all those guys together just hasn't made sense. Even though Matisse Thibel has been an incredible find, um, have, I'm... I'm picking the Celtics to win this in five. At the most six, I'm going to go ahead and put it at five. The matchup you have all been waiting for. The basketball gods smiled down on us for this one. Now, this ain't Lance Stevenson blowing in LeBron's ear, but this still is the Miami Heat against the Indiana Pacers. We'll throw away all those regular season records and stats and stuff like that we trying to see the matchup with jimmy and tj warren again now they just played each other in the bubble miami won that game actually pretty easily jimmy had 19 and 11 and tj warren has just been diagnosed with having plantar fasciitis but his coach said that it's not significant enough to where he's going to miss games so we are going to get the jimmy butler tj warren matchup tj warren has been absolutely sensational Averaging 31 a game, including that 53-point game in the first game of the bubble. 
He's been their go-to guy, especially with Sabonis being out and Oladipo still trying to work his way back. Both teams are actually pretty close um, in terms of how you would, would, would compare them stats-wise. Offensively, in terms of offensive rating, Miami beats them 7-18 to 18 in terms of rankings, but Indy comes in with a higher defensive rating, 6-13. to 13. So you have a pretty even matchup there. But then you look at the regular season matchup, Miami went 3-0 and against them, and you start to look up and down that Miami roster, you're like, man, bam. Shooters like Harrow and Duncan Robinson. Kendrick Nunn, Goran Dragic, Kelly Olenek can get hot sometimes. I ain't even talk about Jimmy yet. You kind of like those matchups a little bit more, especially with TJ Warren, who might not be 100%. Victor Oladipo, who isn't 100%. And Miami went 3-0 and against the Indiana team with Sabonis. So without him, I don't see this really going that far. I got Miami in five. Okay, and... The West is almost, almost figured out. I'll start with the 4-5. The Rockets are going to play the Thunder. And this matchup is going to hinge on pretty much Russell Westbrook's health. Now, he did get that MRI on his right quad, came back negative. We'll see how much that affects him. I don't think it's going to affect him that much because Russell Westbrook is a tank. That dude got a hole in his head in the game once and still played he is a machine. He's had multiple knee surgeries and still comes back stronger and stronger. I think he's going to be just fine in the series. Thunder were 2-1 and one in the regular season series, but each of these games were decided by two points or less. So so this, this matchup is nick and tuck, nip and tuck. It's unfortunate we couldn't get this matchup with the... Um, Without the COVID implications, because having, obviously, the big trade happen in the offseason, if these guys could have went to each other's opposite arenas again, that would have been amazing to see. It would have been cool to see Russ in OKC for a playoff game playing against the Thunder with that crowd being there. Now, if Westbrook does miss significant time, this is a Thunder. I, I believe this is a Thunder win easy. But with both teams at full strength, even though I have given the Rockets crap in the past, I don't think they... Two MVPs, I think that's too much talent for the Thunder to overcome, despite how solid and incredible that franchise and team has been this year. I would go ahead and pick the Rockets, but it's not going to be easy. I think it's going to go the distance. I would have Houston in seven. OKC is going to put up an incredible fight, but I think Harden and Westbrook together are just going to be too much. My Denver Nuggets are going to be playing Utah in the 3-6 matchup. Denver actually probably could not be happier with the way that the playoff seating has shaken out because if they go ahead and get past the first round, their second round matchup will be with the Clippers. Now, regardless of the LA teams, they probably didn't, if they had to pick, they probably wouldn't have wanted to play the Lakers just because the Lakers have been a bad matchup this year. They have a better shot against the Clippers, but not much better. It's... But if you're going to pick, you got to you got to go with the lesser of the two, so and in in their regular season matchups. In the three games they played this year, the Nuggets have won all three, including the second game when my Nuggets only had eight players eligible after the trade deadline. Jokic absolutely owns Gobert. He eats his breakfast, lunch, and dinner and his desserts. He takes his Oreo cookies, smashes them in that kid's face, and then I don't even know what else. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> but Jokic dominates Gobert in the three games that he's played against him. He's gone 28 and 10. That 10 is actually 10 assists, by the way. 30, 21 and 10, and 30, 11 and 7. 
Should I say those numbers again? Yeah, I'm good. Y'all can rewind it. Y'all heard it. Michael Porter Jr.'s emergence has been critical for this team. I've I've gone into it in the past. I it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be his first playoff series. I don't know if you can expect too much from a rookie. I wish that they would put a little more on him. If you watch some of the Nuggets games, you'll notice that it's a lot of Monte Morris, Mason Plumley pick and roll, and Michael just standing in the corner, which makes absolutely no sense when this kid is 6'10", gets the ball mid-post, 15-footer, shoots over people, can't see him, knocks him down. Coach Malone, I hope, picks up on that and starts to amplify that a little more in the postseason, maybe runs more plays for him. But I can't stand seeing Mason Plumley pick and rolls because we're passing to Mason Plumley on these finishes when we have Michael Porter Jr., who's been averaging 24 a game in the bubble, just standing in the corner. That can't happen no more. I expect it to change in the postseason. Donovan Mitchell, however, has showed that these Utah Jazz will not go away. They still will be a tough matchup, regardless of not having Bogdan Bogdanovich, or Boyan, excuse me. And, and, and despite Donovan not playing well for three quarters in that game that went to double overtime, he hit some incredible shots, and offensively, he's a spectacular player. He will keep them in games. And I think he's going to get them a couple, but not enough to win the series. I got my nuggets in six. Clippers will play the Mavs 2-7 matchup. Clippers are undefeated against Dallas this year, and their most recent matchup was in the bubble on August 6th, and they won by 15. Luka has been absolutely insane. Just talked about him earlier, but they have no answer for Paul George or Kawhi. Luka is incredibly special, so I don't think it's going to be a sweep, but it's not going to last that long. I, I'm happy that Luka will get the experience of the playoffs, so will Chris Tapps, but this is going to be over relatively quickly. I got the Clippers in five. Now, you got some weird playoff scenarios for the 8-9 spot. So we're going to have a play-in, and then the winner of that is going to play the Lakers as the 8 seed. You have four teams. I'll go through their scenarios in this right now. Portland has the easiest one. If they beat the Nets, they're in. They're the 8 seed. That's it. But if they lose, and all the other teams lose, Spurs, Grizzlies, uh, and Suns, they're still in. They actually could lose, and if at least two of those three teams lose, they're going to be in. So they're in the best position to make this, considering those teams lose, but they hold their destiny in their own hands. As long as they win, they're in. Memphis can move back into the eighth spot if they beat the Bucks and the Blazers lose, which might be a little more likely now because Giannis isn't playing. If they lose and the other three teams also lose, they will still be in. Or excuse me, let me run that back. They will clinch the nine by just winning or if both the Suns and the Spurs lose. That's the Grizzly scenario. For the Suns, it's a little bit tougher, even, even for how incredible they've been. It's a little tougher for them because they do have to play the Mavs. If Luka doesn't play, significantly helps their chances. We'll see how nice Dallas is. The Suns need to win, and then they need to have Portland and Memphis lose to grab the eighth spot. They can still get into the play-in and be the nine seed if they if they win, and then Portland or Memphis loses. And then for the Spurs, they still have a shot, but they need a little bit more help than everyone else. They need to win, and they need to have everyone else lose in order to get the eight, speed, eight seed. If they win, and then two of the three teams lose, they'll get it into the nine. 
if the Spurs somehow make the postseason, I think everyone's going to lose their minds. <laughs> because everyone's been waiting for San Antonio's downfall for so long. Not because we hate the Spurs, but it's just like, you guys are kind of boring. We don't really want to watch y'all. We'd rather watch any of these three teams except y'all. Nobody's actively cheering against y'all, but we'd rather see the other three teams. So those are the scenarios played out. We'll see how it happens. And that is going to be it for today's episode, y'all. appreciate y'all again for listening. My name is Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney, giving you another episode. Really appreciate you guys rocking with me again. By this time next week, next episode, playoff basketball in full effect. I can't wait to see it. It's been an incredible thing watching these players play absolutely spectacular basketball in the return of the bubble. And I can't wait to see everything ramp up, that intensity go up, everything just get on 10. When we're talking about the postseason, it's going to be real fun to watch. And I can't wait to talk about it more with you guys. Thank you again for listening. Please like, rate, share, and subscribe to the podcast, The Good Look Podcast, on all of the streaming platforms. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.